All right, thank you so much, all those on the platform. I want you to open to Leviticus chapter 14 in your Bibles. I am almost to the place, this close to having to wear my glasses when I preach. Unless somebody can cut about an inch or two off this pulpit, because my arms are not quite long enough anymore. And so the, the torment is when you go and preach in somebody else's church, and the, the pulpit's different, your eyes have adjusted to this. Yeah, step right there, I'm okay. Uh, and it's a little higher, it's, I'm all messed up. So I'm really close. So if I start pulling an Ernie on you and sounding like I didn't know how to read because I didn't have my glasses on, it's just because I don't have my... He wears his glasses now, so... But anyway, Leviticus 14. Um, one of the things we dealt with in living in uh, Houston, Texas, was the problem of mold. And all it takes for mold to grow in the walls of your home is a constant humidity level of 60% or more. Now, once mold is in the walls, it becomes a health hazard. It was always a concern. You'd start smelling that moldy smell, and you realize if it gets into the, to the walls, this becomes a major health hazard. And it's a health hazard to all that are in the home and can cause severe sickness. Now, in the book of Leviticus, we have a law concerning leprosy. Now, leprosy is an infectious disease that affects your skin. Uh, it's a very nasty thing. Uh, your respiratory tract, your nerves, and your eyes. Now, today, I believe they're able to treat that, but in the Bible times, they, they didn't. Now, the particular part of the law that we're going to read today is concerning leprosy that gets into the walls of your home, and the entire home becomes affected, and all that live in it. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very compelling read in the book of Leviticus, And I want to look at this passage with a spiritual perspective. And I want to consider leprosy in your homes this morning. How many know that our homes are called to be a dwelling place for God? A place of spiritual health. A place of refuge from the world. A spiritual godly atmosphere in which we raise our families in. And unfortunately, that's not the truth of a lot of homes. And so I want to hopefully help you this morning, give you some Holy Ghost guidance and a little otherwise here. So I want to preach on leprosy in the home, and I want to uh, read. I'm going to read a little portion, so follow with me. Leviticus 14, beginning in verse 33. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in, in a house in the land of your possession... And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterward the priest shall go and examine the house. He shall examine the plague, and indeed if the plague is on the walls of your house within grain streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest will go out of the house to the door of the house and shut the house for seven days. The priest will come again on the seventh day and look, and indeed if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest will command that they take away the stones in which is, is the plague, 
And they will cast them into unclean place outside of the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside all around. And the dust that they scrape off, shall they shall pour into an unclean place outside the city. Then they will take other stones and put them in the place of these stones. They will take other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house and after it's plastered, then the priest will come and look. Indeed, if the plague is spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. He shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, all the plaster of the house, and carry them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all while it's shut up shall be unclean until evening. He who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes. He who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and examines it, and indeed the plague is not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. He shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, hyssop, He shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. He shall take the cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet, the living bird, dip them in the blood of the slain bird in the the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird, with the running water and the living bird, with the cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet. He shall let the bird loose outside the city in an open field and make atonement for the house and it will be clean. This is the law for any leprous sore and scale, for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, for a swelling and scab or a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean, when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. So if you didn't get your Bible reading in for today, you just got it. Amen. So I want to preach on leprosy in the home. And I want to first talk about the sanctity of our homes. Now, our homes are meant to be sanctuaries from the world for God. And many of these scriptural challenges concerning marriage and our children is all about the environment that we create in our homes. Now, when the Bible promotes marital unity and keeping our children in subjection, it directly affects your home and your home life. Now, people don't like you to tread upon this part of their lives because it's their life, it's their personal arena. But the Word of God goes there. And so, children are shaped by their environment. And a lot of what we see happening in society is the issue of the home. So it's in the home that families and marriages need to be growing and flourishing in God, our homes. Now think about the whole idea of the Spirit of God that was associated with the Ark of the Covenant, specifically in the Holy of Holies in the Tabernacle of Moses. So here's this Ark, and here's the mercy seat, and this is the place that God's Spirit or God's presence dwelt. This was the place that they went to make atonement. And so think about this idea, because the Bible shifts this in the New Testament. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So that same Spirit, that the reference of God's presence that was in that holy place, 
The Bible says it translates into the New Testament now as an inward dwelling. So the same consecration that was brought through the presence of God there now happens through our lives. So as that temple was consecrated by the presence of God after all they went through, uh, the Bible says now that's true because of our lives. So follow me here. Because the whole idea is that the presence of God sets the spiritual atmosphere of the tabernacle. You know, when we come to church, we rely on the spirit and the presence of God to be at work to make successful our ability to preach and minister and see God move. So now it is the Holy Spirit in us, the people of God. And this now not only translates in the church, but it translates in your home. The spirit of your life uh, translates into the atmosphere of your home. And in our text, God is placing some rules upon them that when they get to the promised land, they're going to begin to live in houses. Prior to this, they were sort of nomads and they they were mobile and they lived in tents and they were constantly on the move. Uh, They're going to settle now and they're going to live in houses. And God begins to give them uh, some of the Uh, laws concerning this and the undercurrent here is that our homes are a very important place for our lives and our families much of what we are and what our children become derives from our home and the overall condition of our homes both relationally and spiritually which go hand in hand are of great importance So God is concerned with what I will call the sanctity of our homes. Now, what that refers to is it involves making something spiritually sound, unimpaired, or virtuous. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 5, Then the officers shall speak to the people and say, What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go return to his house lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. So here's this concern about this man's home. And here's promoted the idea of dedicating a home, and it deals with attending to your home, making sure that the things of your home are in order and spiritually sound, dedicated as a dwelling place for God, where God's dominion is established. Now, what I'm describing right now, already some of you are saying, that's not my home, but... You can get help before we finish this morning. A place where God's rule and word is established that we don't neglect that. Now, our homes involve two important arenas. One of those is atmosphere. And what I'm referring to here is the relational and spiritual atmosphere of your home. We're talking about families that are linked together spiritually. Now, the Bible uh, weighs in on this, very, very powerful. Uh, when it talks about families, it speaks of this spiritual connection and it's linked to our home. And listen to it in Deuteronomy 11, beginning in verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You will teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you will write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swear unto his fathers, your fathers to give them like the days of heaven above the earth. So here he is giving a very clear directive of how our homes should be conducted as Christians. That this has been blown up in today's device-driven social media society. It's totally blowing the home environment completely up. Kids that lock themselves in the rooms and overdose on devices all day long. It's totally contrary to what the Bible is promoting here. Parents who contend to be just as overindulged and disconnected from their children. When the Bible promotes a very healthy home atmosphere, a home climate that is relationally connected, an atmosphere is established through relationship, it's established through conversation, and that conversation needs to be often on the things of God, but you'd be surprised how many homes that this doesn't happen in. That homes are so unsettled because we haven't made it the dwelling place of God. This also means guarding our homes not allowing them to develop a worldly atmosphere. We sold a home, our first home in Houston, and I was, I was very amazed at what happened. So our home has always been like an altar. Uh, my wife in particular has daily, that's her daily prayer place. That's, that's where she prays every single day. Uh, and and we, we really guard our homes and, and so we lived in this house, I don't know, five, six years. And so when we sold it, we sold it to the single mom. And she got a hold of us a couple of weeks later. And I don't remember how it all came down, how she found out. But she goes, you know, I was blown away at how peaceful this house is. You know, she's been in dysfunction and, and all over the place. And, and she sensed a piece. Of, now, it probably didn't stay there real long if she didn't, you know, obviously do the right things fornicated in there and all that but but i was uh, that really struck me that that presence that we established there lingered even onto the next people this is this is what we're called to do set our homes apart for god now the second important arena has to do with attitude your attitude towards your home your attitude towards your children your spouse your responsibilities of that will feed into the overall health of your home. And this is established primarily by the words you speak. See, this is important. Because you're either building your home or you're tearing it down. Depends on you. Depends on the words you're speaking. It depends on the conversations uh, that you indulge in. uh, uh, Whether that your house is nothing but always fighting and bickering and, and, and just going there. Now, I remember a time I, I, you know, we're very busy as pastors and, uh, you know, sometimes you can, you got to be careful because you can find yourself neglecting your family. And I remember one time I, I walked in the house, my girls were still very young and they loved to play board games. That was one of the, you know, we don't have a television, we didn't indulge in all the video games and stuff. And so we actually had time together as a family. And so I, I, I had promised her, when, when I get home, I'll play a board game with you. So, so I walk into my house, the board game's on the floor. It's completely set up, ready to play. But man, it was a busy day. I had Sunday was bearing down on me, sermons to write. But I promised my daughter, when I got home, I would play a game of her choice. 
And initially I said, maybe not today. And I remember watching just how that just deflated her. And I stopped myself and I said, no. And, and I sat down and I played the game and I think I won. But anyway. <laughs> but I saw how that affected the morale. You know, there are a lot of people that hate going home. Hate going home. You'd rather work later, do whatever you can to avoid going home. Don't like being in their home. There's no joy. There's nothing but tension. And I can honestly say that I look forward to going home every single day. Matter of fact, that to me would be the hardest part of being an evangelist is, is not being home. Because I love my home. I love being, being greeted by my wife, seeing my children, now my grandchild. And it's a very pleasant place. But that's not true for a lot of people. So, so having established that, I want to talk about the plague in the home. The home, which is the family structure, is under tremendous assault today. And the devil has targeted the home and is using it as a place to break down instead of build up. And so we can say on a spiritual level that there's leprosy in the walls of the family or the structure, or the home today. The institution of marriage is crumbling under our feet, causing the home and the family unit to deteriorate. There's a plague at work in the home today. And the devil is working overtime to intrude the confines of the home. Now, in our text, verses 35 and 36, he who owns the house comes and tells the priest and says, it seems to me there's some plague in the house, Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to examine the plague, that all that's in the house will not become unclean, and afterward the priest shall go and then examine the house. So so think about this. If you begin to see that your home is breaking down, you're beginning to recognize there's something not spiritually in place here that should be. It's not healthy. If you begin to see the plague of division or marital disarray or your children out of control, you need to stop and have it examined closer. Because it's not normal. It's not the way God set things to be. That's what he's saying here. You, you recognize there may be a plague in my house. Stop. Go get the priest and have him examine it. Or the priest of your home, if there's one there. And the end result of of not keeping our homes spiritually and relationally healthy is found in verse 44 and 45. The priest will come and look, and if if indeed the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. He will break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, carry them outside the city. To an unclean place. So if, if it's not dealt with, if, if you're recognizing my home's in disarray, it's being broken, and you don't stop and try to fix it, it will come to ultimate ruin. Then if your home is breaking down, and if you do not address it appropriately, then in the long run, the entire home will fail and become dysfunctional. And this is one of the reasons you cannot allow a rebellious, worldly child to go unrestrained. I know this is a tension point. Many people's inability to deal with their children. Because that child will eventually hijack not only your home and cause marital explosions, but hijack your other children. 
You got to understand this. So, so here's a teaching point about sexual immorality in the church and in your home. Because if the plague of immorality is allowed to run its course, then it will become an epidemic. And this is what the Apostle Paul says concerning the church and sexual immorality. He says a little leaven leavens a whole lump. In other words, just a little bit of sexual immorality, if it's not put in check and dealt with, it gets loose and takes off like wildfire. Well, this truth is true in your home as well. The same principle is at work and the qualifications, if you'll notice, the qualifications of pastoral ministry and certain leadership in the church involves the condition of your home. God is concerned with the condition of your home. 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5. You must be one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Children in submission With all reverence. That means if they're under a certain age, you're going to need a paddle. And if you don't have one, I can loan it to you. It's in my my daughter's purse. And I heard from my office a very familiar cry coming out of the bathroom. It was my grandson having his tail end whooped. Having your children in submission with all reverence. But if a man does not know how to rule his house, how will he take care of the church of God? It's pretty powerful. Now, there are a couple of plagues that we must keep out of our homes. And one of them deals with the breakdown of authority. Now, God has structured the home based upon the family unit. Now, I realize that things are all in disarray today and God will compensate For those of you that are single moms, and he will help you and intervene on your behalf. But but let me just talk from the structure of a family unit for a moment. Because the family unit has a chain of command and it has appointed authority. In Ephesians 5, 23 through 26, the husband is the head of the wife. And also Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So the structure begins with a husband's submission to Jesus Christ. If you're going to start playing the submission card as a man, you better be sure that you're submitted to Christ. I know. Because it's a problem. So it begins with a husband's submission to Christ and then a wife's submission to her husband. Now, as Paul laid down the structure of the church, he makes a point. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15, or 11 through 14. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit her to teach or have authority over a man, but be in silence. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, why do I bring that up? Because when Eve stepped outside of the structure of God's authority, a major shift took place. You need to see this because this becomes a plague in your home. Things become all turned upside down and it affects everything about your home. When a husband is not being the overseer, the priest of his home that God created him to be, 
When he's worldly and carnal and not leading spiritually, this leaves the home, the marriage, and the family open to the plague of dysfunction. And it gets in, and you're not just going to get it out. There's a process. And the second area of plague that we have to be very careful of is what we allow into our homes. Now, as you're being a, a brand new Christian here, uh, there's going to be a lot thrown on you short in a short period of time of things that you're like, whoa, I'm all jacked up. No, you're not all jacked up. You're just coming out of the world and trying to figure out how to make this thing work. Well, here's one that will help you. Things that you allow in your home. Deuteronomy 7, 25 and 26. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is in them. Do not take for yourselves lest you be snared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God, nor shall you bring an abomination into your house. Lest you be doomed to destruction like it, you shall utterly detest it, utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. So God is saying, there's certain things if you allow in your home are going to cause some serious problems. And how many know that as Christians, our homes should not resemble the world? You need to be watchful what your kids hang on their walls. Fornication should never be allowed in your home, not by a relative, not by your children, and not through the TV. In the age of computers and television and media devices, it does not take much for an abomination to be allowed into your home through music, movies, through who you chat with on social media, all of the witchcraft, the bad language, the lying, the stealing, the adultery, the fornication, the violence, these all can get access to your home through movies, television, social media, computers, and devices, and it's just as valid as you bringing a physical person or a physical situation and putting it in your house. And now you have a curse in your home, not blessing. Now you have a plague, and it's starting to embed itself. Think about Achan when he stole the Babylonian garment and some of the jewelry. So this plague broke out among the community as he hid it in his home. So God narrowed it down. He narrowed it down all the way down to a household, to one family, to a father that did not monitor well the things his children were bringing into the home. And God judged it. I want you to think about that when you talk about your home and what you allow into your home and what you indulge in your home because this is serious business. So I want to then talk about, in closing, sanctifying our homes. In our text, there was a process of cleansing necessary in order to purge out the leprosy from the home. Now, there may be things that have, been in, that have embedded themselves in your home and your home life that maybe you're identifying and you're going to have to cleanse and purge them from your house. So here's Jacob and an idol finds its way into his home. And it found its way through his wife who brought the idolatry home. So you just never know the source. And in Genesis 35, 2 through 4, And Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. Same imagery as what you had to do if you were in the house with the 
with the leprosy, you had to change your garments because it was a stain. It would get on them and it would become contagious. Then let us arise and go to Bethel. That's the house of God. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So Jacob identifies this issue in his home and he begins to take dominion. And he takes dominion over the climate of his home and then he reestablishes that this house will revolve around an altar made unto God. We have so many altars in our homes that we worship at today. So many things that consume us in our homes that makes no room for God to develop the climate, makes no room for a good prayer life in our home, the Word of God to be discussed. It's just so worldly. We spend so much time and energy there, and there needs to be an establishing of the spiritual as a priority and worship as a priority when it comes to our homes. Now, in the Passover, the Old Testament, and it, it's, it's in this text as well, but it was the homes that had the blood upon them that avoided the plague. You notice that. And here in the text, it, it says one of the ways that you're going to sanctify your home is you're going to take the blood of the sacrifice and you're going to sprinkle it seven times on the home. So I want you to think about the covering of the blood for a moment because we come under this as Christians, the blood of Jesus Christ. But in that Passover, it was the blood... Uh, and it's the blood of Jesus that must be daily applied and active in our homes. This is only done through prayer and worship and wholesome conversation in the Word of God and driving out anything that threatens to make our homes secular. Are you listening to me? Because this is a big issue. And in our text, they had to go through the entire house and cleanse it. You know, we... Uh, just were invited to go and pray for someone's new home they moved into. We do this regularly. This is something we believe in, that uh, when you get a home, you need to dedicate it to God. And if it's a pre-owned uh, home or an apartment, somebody lived there before, uh, there's a residual of previous sins there that you need to have. Uh, and we're not like priests. We're not going to go do the, the little thing and all the smoke. <laughs> you know, you ever been in the Catholic church, you're just gagging, dying, <laughs> Turn that thing off. Too much smoke. Anyway, uh, we're just going to come in and plead the blood of Jesus. Break the curses of previous sins. Uh, and now we're going to get a bunch of phone calls, Ernie, so be ready because we're going to be going to people's houses and praying for them. Uh, but it's good. We're okay. We're available. Got to go through the house and cleanse it. I was called upon one time to pray uh, uh, for a lady's house and what, what she, she was hearing voices in her home. I'm like, well, that's a problem. So uh, you don't have a husband, kids? No, just me and my dogs. Okay, dogs don't speak, so it's, it's probably a problem. And so I go to her house, and, and uh, it became evident to me that she needed to go through her stuff because there's something that's allowing this here. And, and so I told her to go be very deliberate and go through your stuff and, and try to find something and tell me what you find. Well, lo and behold, in her closet, she used to uh, read tarot cards. Well, she didn't get rid of this tarot cards she had them in a box in a closet you know she didn't do it anymore but it was there and and so there was the the thing that attracted the demon into her house and uh, we we got rid of those broke the curse and the voices went away amazing the peace of god came upon the house so the whole idea of praying over our homes is to dedicate them to god as a sanctuary but here's the thing 
If after we've prayed over our homes, we do nothing but carnal worldly things there, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. It's like, I'm going to dedicate my children. If, if in your mind it's just a cool thing to do and, and you know, everyone, but you don't plan on as a parent of living radically for God, the whole idea is a dedication is that you're going to maintain that. So I want to ask you a few questions. That close. How often do you pray in your home? How often do you talk about the things of God in your home? How often do you as a family all sit in the same room together not watching TV or playing computer games or video games and just talking and having a healthy time together as a family and indulging in the things of God? How often does that happen? You know, we have tried, and I realize this is a traditional thing, and I realize in today's fast-paced society, it's a lot harder, and if it's not in place, it's harder for you. But we have still preserved to this day on a majority, obviously not every day of the week, of having dinner together as a family. Certain things that are important. You know, the church, God's people, is supposed to be setting the standard for family and for home. And today, many Christian homes are doing no more than following the trends of society. So, In our text, this plague of leprosy got so embedded in the home, it was in the walls, and it took drastic action to cleanse the home. And if the home was not cleansed, and people still lived there, they were all susceptible to getting the disease. So think about that. So what you allow in your home, what, what atmosphere and climate you allow in your home is going to affect everybody in that home. So we need to sanctify, set our homes apart to be a dwelling place of God through us, now the temple of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And it's something you actively guard against. There have been times over the years, and I can tell you many stories, but it would take too much time, but that our home got invaded. And uh, we didn't always know where it came from. Sometimes, uh, especially in the early parts of our marriage, when we were really working out the rough edges of our marriage, and, and uh, sometimes we, we didn't resolve things as promptly as we should have. It created an atmosphere. You know, if every time you go home, all there is is this tension in the air, you need to stop. He says, you're recognizing there's a plague here, and we need to do something about this. We need to get a, a grip on this. There, there have been other times that we've received gifts from people that either we didn't know that there were things associated with them, or we thought there could be, but didn't want to be rude and kept them, and they allowed the devil to infiltrate our home, disrupt our sleep, promote all sorts of dreams, and... We had to deal with those things and get them out of our house. And on and on we go. There are times when you're dealing with your children. We, we've been down that road as well. That, that you cannot allow their sin to be the prevailing part of your home. And there are too many parents that you've got kids of age that want to fornicate and do whatever they want. And you don't have the guts to protect the rest of your home and put them out of the home. Well, you're putting a plague in your home and you're not going to get it out. You Wishful thinking, you can 
say all the nice platitudes you want, but it's not going to happen unless you deal with the issue. It's a plague in the home. God will honor that, and you'll preserve your other children. God will intervene, but remember, it's all about the blood. Take the blood, sprinkle it on the house. In the, in the Passover, it was putting it on the doorpost, and it, the plague passed over. And this is the way we need to place our houses before God and our homes and our families. And God will honor that. And I'll tell you, the peace of God will come on your home. Some of you don't know what that is, but you can. Today, that can start. And you can go home and do business in your house. And God can get involved. And the peace of God can be in that place. And I'm telling you, it's night and day. You'll want to go there. Because it'll be the one place in all of life, other than church, that you can go and the peace of God is there. And you're pushing the world out, uh, and the joy of God is established, and your time together is enjoyable, and God will help you. Amen. And that's what we're contending for today at this altar. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. God is here to help us today. Maybe you're here, and before I go any further, you're not right with God. You don't have the peace of God in you. You don't have the joy of God in you. You just kind of go through life bumbling along and finding one thing to compensate for the next. And you're, it's not the way God meant life to be. And if you'll surrender to Jesus Christ today and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, then you will begin to see the way God meant life to be. It's amazing contrast, amazing difference. You know, I, I always remember and I think, and it doesn't matter how long I've been saved, when I start thinking back about my unsaved days, I am so glad I'm saved. I mean, it's like fresh all over again. It was funny because uh, somebody was here and they had to use the restroom in the church and I let them in and I was talking to them in the parking lot. I said, where are you from? They said, Lawton, Oklahoma. I said, wow, that's where I did my basic training and I don't have good memories of some of the things I did there. Some of the sin I was involved in. And immediately brought, brought up to my mind. I thought, oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. But some of you don't have that. You don't have that hope in you. But you can today. This isn't something exclusive for certain people. It's for everyone in the human race that will respond to Jesus Christ and the call of God to be saved. To be born again. To put all of your sins at the feet of Jesus. Ask forgiveness and truly have a heart to serve Jesus, to walk with Him and see Him change you. And you're here. You don't have that, but you're ready for that this morning. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you to that place and help you this morning. But you have to do something with me. You have to help me out by by acknowledging that's where I'm at. I'm not right, but I'm ready to get right. I want the blessing and the peace of God in my heart, in my life. If you're married, in your marriage, with your children, your home, and you're ready for that, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Who's that? God's dealing with you right now. I'm not right with God, but I'm ready to get right today. I need you to pray with me. I need you to agree with me so that I can get right with God. Surrender my life to Jesus. That's you. You're ready to do that today. God's waiting for you. Lift your hand up. I want to pray with you. Who's that? All across this place. God is waiting on you. All of heaven stands still. What are they going to do? What decision are they going to make? God is calling you to himself today. This isn't a call to religion uh, We're just believing some things about God, but it is giving your life over to Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins. And God will meet with you. You're here. That's what you need. That's what you want. I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Who's that? God's dealing with you right now. 
Don't hesitate. Don't wait. This is the greatest opportunity of your entire life. You're ready to get saved and right with God. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. Put it up so I can see it. Hold it there until I see it. Then you can put it down. Maybe you're here and you're not right with God, but by the way of backsliding. You once served Him. You knew Him. You know everything I'm talking about. And you're lamenting the fact that you backslid because you see this whole thing playing out in your life. But you know what? God's here to receive you today. If you're, if you're ready to do things right, God's ready to receive you today. Forgive you. And you say, you know what? That's where I'm at. I'm not right. I'm backslidden. Pray with me. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. Who's that? God's dealing with you all across this place. Don't hesitate. This is your moment. This is your moment. Thank you so much. God's going to honor that today. Amen. Who else? God's dealing with you. You're not right with God or you're backslidden. Ready to come to Jesus. God is waiting on you today. You make the move. You make the choice. And God will meet you right where you're at. That's you. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. What are you waiting for? Trying to cover it up. I'm all right. No, 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 no. Just be honest. Come to Jesus. Lift your hand up. Who else with this honest heart? I'm not right with God. Lift it up so I can see it. Keep it there. And then when I acknowledge it, you can put it down. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. You're not right with God. Come to Jesus. God is dealing with you. Backslider, come back home. Come back home. Blessing of God is waiting on you. Who's that? Lift your hand up. Okay, you lifted your hand. Would you look at me? Did you mean that? You meant that? Yeah? I, I, somebody's going to walk with you. And you're going to come. And we're going to pray with you. And God's going to help you. In a moment, we're going to open the altars. But listen to me, church, for a moment. I realize that there are parts of this that are very uncomfortable for you to hear. And trust me, my intention on preaching this is to help you. But you've got to go there and you have to address the issues if people are going to get help. You know, we like to always try to just, you know, put it in a way that's more palatable. But no, this is what it is. This is the plague that we see in society. The home is in disarray. Relationships, families are all over the place. But there's a healing through Jesus Christ, but the blood must be applied. You're going to have to be willing to make some decisions about some things in your home that you've allowed in there. And I want to first make a call and appeal to those that are the priest, the head of your home. If you're a man, you're the husband, you're the father. This falls on you. You're the one first. That ha- you know, it says that if he recognized that there was a plague in the home, he went and got the priest. You've got to do something about this. You can't just keep blaming everybody else or ignoring it or acting like it's going to take care of itself. No, you've got to do something about it. It starts by entering this altar call and saying, okay, I'm going to be honest about this. I'm going to start dealing with some things in my house. I realize if you're a single mother, that puts an extra pressure on you, but you you now are the one that's the overseer of your house and you have to... You have to appropriate what I'm saying. Marriage, children. I've said all these things already, but it's time for us to respond and say, okay, I'm going to align with the Word of God. and I'm going to make adjustments, repent where I need to repent, and I'm going to do some cleansing, as they would say, some house cleaning spiritually in my home. I'm not going to allow a worldly atmosphere to be what dictates my home. It's going to be a place of God's altar because that's the way God ordained it. If it's anything otherwise, you're not functioning the way God ordained it. So we're going to open these altars. I'm going to ask you to come as we stand to our feet. If there's somebody there next to you around you that is visiting, take time to minister to them. Otherwise, these altars are open. 
Let's respond to God. Let's be wholehearted. Let's be in unison with God's word. Yes and amen. God will help you today. Some of you, you may be totally just, this sermon's just discouraging you because you think there's no hope, it's too out of control. There is two hope. There is. But you've got to make the first steps. You can't just throw your hands up and say, what's the use of even trying? You have to try. This is important. Oh, God, have right of way, Lord. Every life here today. Father, every home, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. Oh, that indwelling spirit, Lord, that would be active within us. God, we're asking your cleansing and your sanctifying that would take place first in us that we can take it then to our homes. Sanctify them a holy dwelling place for God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, let there be liberty where the Spirit of God would move today. Lord, breaking every yoke of bondage and affliction. Lord, we're praying a deep cleansing that would take place, a shift in the spirit realm. Dominion that would be established in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, let us be responsive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. Oh, my God, we thank you and worship you, Lord. We need you at work. God, you do this work, Lord God. You sanctify us. We would make the commitment. Oh, God, let our homes be a place that the peace of God would dwell within Worthy God, worthy, hallelujah. Wonderful Savior, we give you praise. Just leave it at the altar, whatever God's dealing with you about. For some of you, this this God's imposing upon you the need for some radical changes in your home. The way you go about the business of your home, the atmosphere you've allowed into your home, the things that you allow into your home, God's dealing with you. You can either allow the plague to continue and everybody in the house will be susceptible to that plague or you can put a stop to it today and start the process of cleansing. It's totally up to you. You have to decide. This begins with the men of the home. It's where this begins. That this is laid on your, you at your feet. God requires this of you. The question is, what are you going to do? Serious business. It's not just going to go away. It's not just going to relieve itself. It's going to be there. It's going to stay there until you take the action to bring the cleansing to your home. You'll watch it unravel. You'll watch it affect your children, but you're so stubborn. Will you today make the shift that you need to make and God will help you? God will help you. God will move. We desperately need places we can go that are just separated from this world, and our home is one of them. We can have a sanctuary, a place that we can dwell in the peace and the joy of God 
And God will help us. And I realize there's circumstances associated with our home that are different from what I'm talking about. But hopefully you understand the direction I've taken this this morning. So I want you to stand right where you're at. Keep your heads bowed. Don't go back to your seats. Now, when we dedicate somebody's home, you know, that in and of itself is a powerful... We believe that there's something spiritual that transacts in that moment. We believe that. I've, I've been summoned to homes many occasions. One I can think about right now. It's in my mind. Uh, a couple in this church, they, they, they summons me to their home and they were having all sorts of nonsense happening, spiritual things, manifestations. And uh, I went over to their home and, and the first thing I usually do if somebody's already living there and they've been there a while is I begin to go through their home and I begin to just kind of look and see uh, what they have hanging on their walls and, and I'll ask certain questions and, and try to get to the bottom if there's anything obvious. Uh, uh, and, and I don't remember all the occasion of this couple, but I do remember... We prayed, we took dominion on that home, uh, and uh, I asked them a week later, and they said, man, I haven't slept so well. They summons me again at a different occasion for a different time in a different place. They were living in the same type of scenario, and we prayed again, and God moved on their behalf again, and that home was sanctified. And, and I will say this too, if you live in an apartment, you need to keep your prayer meetings up because... You got sin on this side of you and sin on this side of you and sin going on below you and sin going on above you and and you're surrounded by it. But God can take that place that the blood is applied and when the plague angel is coming over, he'll overlook. In other words, the devil can't, in spite of all that, we used to always lay hands on the walls of our apartment when we lived there and we'd we'd pray there and take dominion and God would move. And so so, so we're going to pray today and, and, and then you need to take this home with you. You need to put this into your home, okay? So I want you to pray this, oh God in heaven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I take dominion in my own life. God, I'm sorry that I've allowed worldly things, secular things into my home. And today I'm going on record. I'm going to cleanse my home. I'm going to establish your altar there. And God, I'm asking you that you will move on my behalf, cleansing first in my life and in my home. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm asking cleansing, sanctifying, consecration uh, that I will do this. Let the peace of God be my portion in my home, in my family, I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Let's seal it in worship. Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We praise and bless your name. He couldn't be a Ramama Korebebebe Kiarai. Oh, God, we worship you, Jesus, and honor and praise. He Korebebe Kiorose. 
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior. We thank you and worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes when um, a word of prophecy is at work, uh, one of the reasons for it is just a reconfirming of the word that was spoken. And, uh, and sometimes that's very important. It's like an exclamation point that God places on something. And so uh, be encouraged that as we go along that God gives you that, um, that you will uh, speak that out. And be used of God, but that's really what it's for. It's not like you're preaching another sermon or going. So it's just a confirming, amen, a validating of the word of God in that context, amen. So you go and you, you got to do the part. You got to go to your house. You got to do what you got to do. Whatever God's dealing with you about, do it quickly. If you're recognizing uh, any of what I'm talking about, and and and, and even if there's not, you got a great home. You know what? Guard it, safeguard it. I'm telling you. It's a horrible thing when you when you don't like to go home anymore, or you do, and all there is is tension and chaos and craziness. And so you go take dominion. Let's believe God together. Amen. Come tonight. Uh, very encouraging sermon. Going to help you, especially if you're in the storms, the trials of life. Uh, which, as long as there's a devil, there will be plenty of storms and trials. So let's come tonight. Let's really let God help us. Amen. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to dismiss in prayer. Rejoicing with one another, my brother Juan Gonzalez lift his voice and dismiss us. Well, Lord God, we thank you for this powerful message, my God. I pray, my God, that you go into our homes and take your healing, my God. Yes, my God, the blood of Jesus has been your power in your